If you've ever had to check more than one box when it comes to your identity, then you know that any inquiry about your ethnic background requires a follow-up question. I'm Steph Stock, and each week my guests and I have conversations in color as we explore the gray areas of identity in an America that is mixed up about its race relations. This is Mixed With What? When I thought about creating this podcast, I imagined all of the amazing people I would interview. People who are famous and established, celebrities that we see on screens and in the media, and we maybe know their face, but we don't necessarily know what they're mixed with. Some names casually come to mind, like Barack Obama, Trevor Noah, Zendaya, Tracy Ellis Ross, Rashida Jones, just to name a few. But I quickly realized that I was getting ahead of myself, and I really do hope to someday have conversations with mixed people who are as influential as the people I just named. I also know I have to be realistic, and I'm just getting started. So, I'm starting with me. My name is Steph Stock. I'm a model and actor, not on the same level as the aforementioned celebrities, but a model and actor nonetheless living in L.A., My ethnically ambiguous look has always been front and center in my career, which strikes me as ironic because there's nothing ambiguous about my ethnicity. I identify as black and white. I never really related to the term mixed because I feel like it sounds like I'm mixed up, confused about who I am or where I'm from. It suggests something is unclear or inconclusive. Being mixed can mean a lot of different things. It's a combination of multiple cultures, but Where I'm from, mixed usually refers to someone who is the product of a person who is black, of the African-American diaspora, and white, of European descent. Now, most people aren't walking around saying, I'm of African-American and European descent. And if someone were to ask me, what are you mixed with? And I could respond with something like, I'm Jamaican and Chinese. I might feel a little less cringe about the word mixed. Because then it means I'm telling you I'm a mix of two distinct cultures. But for me, a common response is more like, I'm black and white, which is wild because those are colors, not cultures, which in turn makes the term mixed more about the color of my skin and my body than the characteristics of the cultures that have influenced who I am as an individual. Personally, I've never questioned how I identify, but I have struggled to articulate my identity to others. So what does mixed even mean? Aren't we all actually a mix of something? What comes to mind when we hear the term mix? Is there a better word to describe a combination of cultures embodied in one individual? These are the kinds of questions I'm asking in this podcast to other people who are mixed, like me. Now, I know I said this podcast will feature conversations with other multiracial folks, but for my first episode, I thought it would be important to talk to two monoracial people responsible for making a biracial baby. My first guest met as freshman at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in 1989. This is the story of how two kids from different worlds went to college in one of the most segregated cities in the country and contributed to the fastest growing demographic in the U.S. Meet my parents neither of whom are mixed, one's black and one's white. I'll let you figure out who's who. Hi, Mom. Hi. Do you remember the first time that you met my dad? The first time that you saw him? Yeah. He saw me first. She was cute, but she was drunk all the time. She was a party girl. Where were you? In the dorms. 
I'm walking through the lobby. And what did he say when he came up to you? Well, you know, he's a man of so many words. <laughs> hey. I'm sure he said, hey. And what did you say? I don't know. I probably just giggled. You have this six foot six, tall, I'm just going to say it, black man. Like, so was that something that was new for you when you got to Milwaukee? I mean, if anything it caught my attention, he was so tall. I mean, I knew he was black. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I was, like I said, I was more like, oh, my God, 6'6". Six, six. I'm all 5'3". So I think that caught my attention probably more than that. The that my mother is referring to is my dad's undeniably deep skin tone. She's from a small town in northern Wisconsin. And when she was in high school, the population of black people in her small town was less than 1%. So while my dad being black wasn't that big of a deal to her, it's definitely something that didn't go unnoticed. I mean, he was a basketball player, so that was cool. Did you guys have a first date? No. And we just hung out. We had fun. I think that we, when we first met, I don't think it was kind of like whatever. I think we really liked each other. Um, we came to like each other the summer after our freshman year, and we had spent that whole summer together. I lived in Green Bay. He lived in Milwaukee, but I would come down on the Greyhound like every weekend, and we would um, we would just like hang out and have fun and do all different things, and we just really liked each other. Yeah, you just drink. Yeah, I mean, hung around with, you know, her, her crew. My mom's crew is made up of the same group of women that she's known since grade school. Meg, Missy, Chris. They are my unofficial aunties, godmothers, and guardians, and they've been around since the beginning. Our sophomore year was going to be starting, and so I think it was my first or second day. I think it was September 2nd. And I was walking home from a party, and he was playing basketball at at the court outside of Hartford school, your elementary school. And I was like, Ray. And he was like, Oh my God. And, um, nine months later we had a baby. <laughs> oh, wow. Were you guys dating at this point? No, Mm-mm. I don't know. I don't know. It never was. It never was defined. So I don't know how to, I don't know. I know we had stopped talking and then, um, she comes and she tells me that she's pregnant. I think that's not talking for like, I won't say about a month, maybe a month or two. Was there a fight or what happened? She was always, she always get drunk and young about something anyway. I mean, we were like, we were 18, 19 at the time. So, I mean, in college, it could have just been, you know, much of anything. How did you find out? Were you like, I don't feel well, I'm going to go to the doctor? Or... Yeah, I went out to a party and I got really sick after like two drinks. And I was like, that's weird. And so the next day or two days later, I went with to, what is it called? North's Health Center? Norris. Norris. Yes, the on-campus yeah. health center. With Missy. With Missy. And I they had a pregnancy test and they told me I was pregnant. So I went back to the dorms with Missy and she called Ray and Ray came down and I told him. And he said, oh, my God, I'm hungry. And we went to the cafeteria and we ate. What's going through your mind when you hear this? You know, obviously, I mean, first is it mine, you know, that's the um, first reaction. Did you ask her that? I don't know. I'm sure I thought it. 
said at the time we weren't together, you know, I mean, she told me then, um, yeah, obviously we just communicated and stayed in touch, so. Got a little closer. Yeah, a little closer after that. And then what? Do you have a conversation of like, what are we going to do? I just think we just, whatever. We just lived. We just did it. And I don't know. And then after that, was it like you guys were together all the time? Like, was he like. No, no, no. We just, I mean, we just, everyone knew that we liked each other. Everyone knew. But like, I think we were just young and we were in college and we were just like, Okay, here we go. I didn't ask my mom during this recording, but I have asked her before, and we've talked about it many times. Did she ever consider other options? My mom comes from a conservative upbringing, and regardless of her beliefs about a woman's right to choose, abortion was never an option for her. According to my mom, adoption wasn't really considered either. The way she tells it, she was just living day by day, and when that day came, the moment she saw me in that hospital, she looked at me and said, let's do this. She didn't want to tell her parents. She yelled it from them for a long time. When did they find out? When I was like seven or eight months pregnant. How did you hide it that whole time? I think I was in Milwaukee. I didn't go home a lot. Home for my mom was Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green Bay is about two hours north of Milwaukee with a population of about 100,000 people, few of whom were people of color back then. There's not a whole lot happening there other than the Green Bay Packers, which is the pride and joy of the town. Did you tell them, or did they find out? I sent a letter in the mailbox. You sent a letter home to tell them that you were pregnant? Yeah. I was at UWM. I wrote the letter. I put it in the mailbox, and there was some event going at UWM, and my friends were working it. And I went down, and I'm like, oh, my God, I just threw the letter in the mailbox. Yeah. And I wanted to get back in the mailbox and get it. What do you write in this letter? Like, Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant? Um... No, I had a whole plan. I was going to um, have you, and then I was going to go to work and make some money, and I had a whole plan. I didn't go like that because that's not how life works, but I wrote my whole plan out to them. And it wasn't, it was more just like, how do you tell them? Because I was the first one to go to college, and here I was having a baby, and I had in my head unrealistic thoughts. Like, I'm going to finish college. I'm going to get this great job. And it's going to be really simple, and I'll just go to school. Well, it does. it's not that easy. <laughs> you were pregnant in the dorms. Yep. Then I moved out, and I lived with this girl. And then I slept on a cot. While you were pregnant? Yeah. But I thought it was fine. And your dad used to come over, and we used to put a blanket on the floor. That's where we slept. Didn't have anything. Oh, my goodness. Getting an education has always been a top priority in my family. My dad comes from a long line of doctors, educators, and scholars, but my mom was the first in her family to go to college. My mom's parents are children of farmers and lumber workers who moved to the city and became industrial workers themselves. My grandparents, Jim and Kathy, met when they were 18 years old while working at the local paper mill. And other than my grandpa serving as a medic in the U.S. Air Force, they spent their entire lives earning a living and working at the factory until they retired. My grandparents on both sides of my family played a big role in raising me. After all, my 19-year-old parents were still kids themselves. If my grandparents were ever disappointed about my mom having a child young and out of wedlock, I never knew. I was surrounded by so much love growing up. I never had to question if I belonged. My grandfather especially, my mom's dad, 
made sure that I knew that I was wanted and that I never had to want for anything. When I had you, I didn't have a place to stay. So I stayed at Frederick also, but at Chris and Missy's and Meg's and Kelsey's and Tracy's house. It was a party house. Your crib was in the front hall and we stayed on the futon. Me, you and your, me, you and your dad. My dad was there too. Yeah. And then about a week or two after, no, maybe like two weeks after that, grandpa came down and, um, grandpa just said, no matter what, we're going to do this. I got you. Um, and she's ours. And that was all that was ever said. And here you are. I was just curious, like when they found out that you were pregnant, did it ever cross your mind or cross their mind? Like, oh, wait, like this baby's going to be multiracial. Like I'm having a black baby. Yeah. I think that grandpa, you know how he was. <laughs> he just didn't really, it didn't matter. But grandma was more, and it wasn't a negativity. It was just more like, this is not what we expected. Like she's, it's going to be hard. So um, she was more like, oh, my God, what are people going to think? It was interesting, too, because when I had you, your great-grandmother, because she's from a completely different era, she referred to you as, like, colored. And um, she, I remember her say, making a comment to me, like, oh, well, she can go and visit this person because they can't see. And I was like, oh, absolutely not. Like, that was probably the only, like, I didn't really have a whole lot of, people that said anything ever to me but like little comments like that that still to this day I'll never forget at any point in time dad did you ever think like I'm having a biracial baby like my kid is going to be white no uh, I never uh, I didn't think that I didn't think I was like that did you and mom ever talk about like our kid is going to be biracial or our kid is going to be black and white? Or was it just like, I'm having a kid? It was just having a kid. I mean, I, I don't recall thinking biracial or black and white. I mean, times were a lot different then than, than they are now. Different how? Because I don't even recall all this biracial thing going on. People talking about biracial. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're either you're black or you're white. So then what did you consider me? My child? Yeah, but like your black child or your white child if I wasn't a biracial child. Uh, you was just my child. I mean, obviously, you, I mean, it, like I say, if you, you play black, you black. They wouldn't consider you white. You were just considered you were a light-skinned baby. And for, for whatever reason, if you had any black in you, you were considered black. If you're black, then you're black. In 1924, the one-drop rule was established as law to uphold white supremacy and prevent interracial marriage. The law was abolished in 1967 in the famous Supreme Court case Loving v. Virginia, which we celebrate on Loving Day as the biggest holiday in the multiracial community. But even though the law has come and gone, we still buy into its precedents. Did you know any other people that had mixed kids? No, I didn't know anybody that had kids. <laughs> so I think that's what was my focus when I was young, a young mom, not who you were, what you looked like. 
I was just this young mom thinking, oh my God, how am I going to pay the bills tomorrow? Where are we going to live? Like, obviously I know that people say, oh, your daughter's mixed. Oh, you're white. I just never looked at things like that. I honestly just don't look at people like that. I just look at, are we having fun? Or is, if, are people good? Um, am I happy? Like, you know, I guess I judge people more on, are they nice people or not nice people? Are they like me? Are they not like me? Then, I don't know, skin color, I guess, or ethnicity or race or. I just always have had that. So I can't say, I can't say, well, people say, oh, no, you know. No, I don't know. Like, I guess maybe oblivious to it. Oblivious to it because I just never really had anybody that really said anything to me. Being oblivious to race is a privilege I have never known. We never talked about race growing up in my family. There's also this idea of Midwestern kindness, the stereotype that people from the Midwest are unusually polite, more reserved, and even a little passive-aggressive. Being Midwest nice creates a limitation around controversial conversations. It's been my experience as a mixed kid growing up in Wisconsin that talking about race is seen as impolite, but making racist comments is common practice. The only comment I guess I really heard was they would, like if people saw me with you, people would say, oh, she dates black guys. Mm. And how, how did that make you feel, that assumption? And I was like, no, I date guys. Um, so I just never, I thought I thought that was an odd, I always thought that was like an odd thing. But also, Ma, I know your dating record. I'm just going to say it. I've never known you to date a white or an Asian or a Mexican man. Well, when I was talking, when I, after I had you, I still talked, I was kind of seeing um, Chad. Was mom like the first white person that you had dated or was that not a thing? No, she wasn't the first white person I dated. Like, is it different dating a white female than it is a black female? No, they go crazy. They're all crazy. That's a joke. We did argue a lot, but we always supported each other. He would never let anything happen to you, most definitely, but me neither. He was, you know, he knew I was a good mom. I mean, we have a child together. He always made sure, and that's how Grandpa was, always made sure that we need, had what we needed. And that was, like, their role. Do you remember when Mom told you that she wanted to move with me to Green Bay? At first, I, I didn't I didn't want you to go to Green Bay. Why not? Because I didn't like Green Bay. It was nothing about Green Bay I liked. And I didn't want you to be having, you know, a, a somewhat sheltered life. Yeah, sheltered how? Because you would have been around all predominantly uh, white people. Yeah, what worried you about that? I mean, I, it wasn't worry. I just didn't want you to. I wanted you to have experience of you know, have a well-rounded experience. I want you to see different cultures. Yeah, I know you wouldn't do that in Green Bay. Your dad never agreed of us being apart, but. I knew from when you were little that you were really smart. I said, this is not going to work with her going to school here because the school systems are not the greatest in Milwaukee. The public school system in Milwaukee has its fair share of inner city school district issues. A lack of economic resources, 
short-staffed, overworked teachers, and behavioral issues in children that are a result of unstable living situations. My dad is an educator. He has been since I was a kid. And it's always been important to him to serve the community that raised him. Um, I mean, all the schools, I mean, yeah, it was some schools that were bad, but you didn't have to go to those schools. You wasn't going to those schools. You was at, I think you were at, um, at Hartford anyway. That was, that was a good school. This is true. I think she went more for, for, for her. What do you mean? Because, I mean, I, I was always there. I mean, we, my family was providing a lot of help, but I think she wanted, she, it was something that she needed or she wanted. So she wanted to go back to where she came from, which I, I get that. I, it, it makes sense. I understand it. Cause I don't think her, her friends was, I mean, they were still her friends, but they wasn't like, I don't think they were all the way open and willing to help. So when she was here, I mean, she was just, she had to rely on, me on my side of the family all the time because she ain't had nobody else here. And this is my thinking and paraphrasing. And that's not to say her friends were just abandoned or whatever. I'm not saying that. But I mean, you guys were how old? Like, what, in your early 20s? Like, I get that. Yeah, she had, what, yeah, about 20, 21, maybe. Did you and mom ever talk about that? Like me going, you being, like you're concerned about me going to Green Bay and only being around white people? Did you tell her that? Uh, pretty sure I did, but like I said, I understood what, I understood what it was about. You always seemed okay with being around white people and I think that's I think that was a big just part of you getting being raised is that you'd come to Green Bay it's a little bit country a little bit slower and then I would drop you off in Milwaukee in the inner city and it was a whole different ball game but you Grammy saw I said you would turn turn it on and off like you'd act a certain way when you were in Green Bay and you'd act a certain way when you went to your parents your grandparents in Milwaukee and um it was interesting I guess I never noticed it I saw but grandma used to say oh I can tell Stephanie was at her grandparents in Milwaukee queen of the code switch I've always prided myself on my ability to blend in anywhere but growing up I actually always stood out so I relied on my ability to code switch to disarm my peers and neutralize situations so others can feel comfortable in my presence I know there's mixed kids out there that can relate for someone who, like, isn't familiar at all with Wisconsin, what would you say are, like, the differences between the 53206 and Green Bay? And I say 53206 and not Milwaukee because I feel like 53206 is a specific part of Milwaukee. But, like, what are the differences between there and Green Bay? Green Bay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So, well, let me... So my, let me try to answer my experience of Green Bay. So like when I was going up there with your, your, your mom, and then I was with her friends and all, obviously yeah, I was pretty much the only black person up there with all you know. But I mean, I was taller, I looked older, so I can, they would let me buy beer or whatever. So I mean, I was okay around them, but then later going out around there, I see, um, it was, it was more black people than I thought. But they all go up there and they try to act tough. 
Yeah, and what do you they mean think by they that? Hard. They think they hard. They go up there like want to rob people with guns, you know, trying to sell drugs and, you know, fight and do all this other stuff. Where I know that they was in their city, they couldn't make it in the city. So they go up there and try to act like something they're not. And that was one of the things I didn't like about about Green Bay. Because it seemed like all oh, the black people was trying to be like something they were. And not when I say all, I mean I know I'm generalizing, but majority of the ones I, I would see out. And mostly guys. Mm-hmm. It's trying to go up there and act tough. So like, you know, comparing that to like five to two oh six, I mean, it's a little different because like they're not acting tough. They they are tough. Recently, Green Bay was listed as the number three best small towns to live in the U.S. And I think with a small town lifestyle, racism runs rampant. The most recent census shows that the population of black people in Green Bay grew by 63%. That's 75,000 more black people in the small town today than when I left after graduating in 2010. But the fastest growing rate? People who represent two or more races. This population of people in the region more than tripled in number in the past decade. Even with its growing diversity, Green Bay isn't without its problems. We never really did talk about race. So, like, I remember being surprised that you were surprised that it was something that I struggled with, especially living in Green Bay, because it was just so, like, I don't know if you, do you remember the race riot that happened at my high school no. the year before I went there? No. So many people are like, I don't remember this. And it was such a big deal. It was literally a race riot. And it was in the cafeteria and like people standing on top of desks being like black power, white power. And like our cafeteria was separated. It was like a checkerboard. Like if you were Mexican, you sat at this table. If you were Hmong, you sat at that table. And the black kids and the white kids never sat at the same table. And it was always like, well, where is Stephanie going to sit? Like you had to choose. And it was this crazy thing because I always sat with my friends who I ran track with, who I was on the dance team with, who I, like, play basketball with, that I did all the things with. And there just weren't a lot of black kids. So those people were white. I remember – do you remember Mr. Jennings? Of course you do. Mm-hmm. He started this thing during lunch hour that was, like, for black kids, kind of like a black student union, like, in the high school. And I went, and everyone was so surprised. They were like, you're here? I was like, I'm black. They were like, but do you know that? Duh. Like, it was like such a surprising thing. Like, they didn't realize that I identified as black. And then all of a sudden, they found out that I, where I was from in Milwaukee. And oh, you're from the north side. And oh, you know about the 53206. And then all of a sudden, it was like, I had street cred or something. And I was like, wait a minute. No, that's not how this works. Like, now all of a sudden, you think I'm black enough? No, because I and, think like, you- that you made the comment one time too. some kids were talking to you a certain way and you said, we don't talk like that because your dad obviously talked very proper. Um, so even though, like you said, you're in the inner city, that's not how that the stereotype of how inner city talks acts. That's not how your family was. It's going to be crazy to say, but I mean, I'm glad I came up in 18. 18- 18th and others. I mean, that helped shape who I was, who I am. What are some of the lessons you think growing up on 18th taught you? Uh, taught me how to be humble. 
Taught me how to help other help others. Taught me how to appreciate what I do have. It taught me to work work hard for those things that I want. Taught me how to treat people, how to treat others that are less off, less fortunate, who might be perceived as being bums on welfare. It taught me discipline. And it's not just 18. Like, I remember, um, 24th and hour, we, that's where we live, 24th place, right up the street from the church. And the guy next door to me was an old man. I mean, he was saying, I don't know, you should always make fans out of popsicle sticks. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember he used to sit down, you know, just, you know, t- talk to me, show me how to make, make the fans and just make us some and, you know, so some of the things I, I remember exactly what what we talked about all the time, but I'm sure subconsciously it's in there because I remember, you know, I remember him vividly. You know, I remember seeing the person who, you know, coming up the block who used to be, you know, the prom queen, and now they're cracking. Yeah. And you can learn a lot. I mean, they, they still had. I mean. They still had some sense. I mean, they just depended on the drugs. It sounds like it taught you a lot of empathy. Taught me a lot of things. Not to judge a book by its cover. Not to think you're too high on you above anybody else. But not to think that you're below anybody else either. Dad, what do you think about the term mixed? I don't like it. What don't you like about it? Because uh, it's just mixed. It just seems like it can be synonymous with all mixed up and, you know, crazy in the head. I just don't understand why it has to be all that. I mean, I don't, but I'm not for all, you know, race calling and all that. I mean, I just feel like y'all human beings. What's all this other stuff about? But that's just my line of thinking. What do you everybody think? Everybody agrees with that. What do you think is like a better term for mixed? Like, what are we calling it? What do we say? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Why does it have to be a term anyway? Why can't you just be stepping? Or you can't just be a, a people. Why can't we just be a human being? I mean, do you think that you 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 act different because you you have a white a white mother and a black father? Act different than what? That's what I'm saying. Do you think you act different that you are different because you have white a white mother and a black father? No, I mean it's the other stimuli or things that you react to other people, how they react to you that shape how you are. But no matter what, you just you. So then, when you think about me, like, do you think of me as white or black or multiracial? I just think of you as my daughter. I don't think, I don't, that's the thing is, I don't look at your dad and say, oh my God, that's my daughter's father, he's black. Like, I don't think like that. Oh, that's my daughter, she's mixed. And do you look at me and think, oh, that's my mom, she's white? No. I mean, it's not the second thing that I say. 
I'm going to call it the fact that I just lied to my mother. Sorry, mom. And not intentionally, but I had never really thought about it until she asked. But if I'm being honest now, yes. I do think that's my mother. She's white. Because I've been conditioned to. From the time I was small, people would ask me if that was really my mother. How was that my mother? What is my mother's background? My own identity is an extension of my ancestors, and that includes my white mom. Yeah. You, you know that, right? Wait. I mean, it's a white. I mean, it's a white person on. on it's white people on Mama's side too. I mean, listen. I feel like everywhere, right? Like white and black have been mixing forever. So I'm not surprised by any of this. Like, but the mix is a little different. The way they're made. Wait, Dad. Hold on. You cut out real quick. You can you say that again? Mama's Dad, side. can you hear me? At this point, the audio starts to cut out just as we begin talking about the tough stuff. But I know exactly what my dad is saying. I'm not the only one in our family who is mixed. And me being mixed is different from the origin stories of my mixed ancestors. The mix is a little different. The mama's side, you know, it's like a white man. There's some stories, and some of them I just heard recently. Like, think of white, white man killed a great-grandfather. Yeah, in so Alabama. Mixed, yeah, but this one, where Mama from? Like you know, and Mama, she like I told you stuff. She won't, she won't talk about. But yeah, it's a lot of trauma. Well, yeah, you seeing, I mean, hangings, <laughs> seeing the strange fruit. You know, that's what they, you know, used to call it. What they used to call when people were huh? when like when lynching happened. When they were lynching. They called it... Strange fruit. There's some things we don't talk about because they're too difficult to put into words. Not every mixed experience is the same. Being a mixed millennial is a different experience than the mixed folks who came before me. An origin story that's far different with trauma that reflects the time in which we were born. My grandmother, my dad's mom, or mama as we all call her, is the family matriarch and has stories that she's not ready to share. As she gets older, she opens up more and I'm always eager to listen, but I understand her story is one of resilience and she's had to overcome a lot in her lifetime to raise her family and survive. She doesn't go back to Alabama often, but my dad and I return every two years for a family reunion that has been a tradition in our family since 1951. You should know where you came from. I mean, like I say, for, you know, health reasons or this and that, but that, but you, does it have to be a classification of, oh, well, she's white, you know, oh, she, he's black and all that? I mean, what, what's the purpose of that? My dad and I share this same sense of pride about where we're from, from the backwoods of Alabama to the north side of Milwaukee, and for me, small town Green Bay. I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned from being of these places while also being othered in these places. I've always struggled with the paradox of not wanting my identity to define me, but also wanting to define myself with a simple identity. But being mixed isn't simple. In this country, it can be complicated. And while knowing where you're from can give us context, it doesn't have to define us. So if we're not defined by where we're from, we're defined by who we are as people. But doesn't our life experience make up who we are? 
our character, our circumstances, our culture are all part of our identity. What is your culture? From the hood, that's my culture. What is your race? Human race. I want to thank my parents for supporting all of my wild ideas and agreeing to publicly discuss all the things we never spoke about privately in the past. This story is my own, but it's just the beginning of so many more we have to listen and learn from. I would be so grateful if you shared this podcast, left a review, or dropped me a note about anything that resonated with you. In the meantime, I encourage you to ask the tough questions, speak about hard topics, and listen with love so we can all continue to mix things up. Stay tuned for season one of Mixed 